Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 43 of The Other Six Podcast. My name is Chad Boak, and I am your host. Joining me once again in the studio, my co-host, our worship pastor, and star of the one-man show about a paralegal set in a Wendy's that he can't get out of entitled, Where's the Brief? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Mr. Matt Collins. Matt, how are you, that was sir? Arby's. No, 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 no. no, no, no. The where's, where's the beef? Where's yeah. the beef? Where's the beef? Is Wendy's, not uh, Arby's. No, uh, we've got the meats as Arby's. Oh, yeah. Come yeah. on, man. Where, where's the beef? I'm it's sorry. the, the little old lady, the commercial. Yeah, but those 80s. are mostly in the 80s, which was when Matt was born. <laughs> that's, yeah. Yeah. that's true. <laughs> Probably why he doesn't know those <laughs> commercials. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Chad, you were like three. So they're you don't they're on YouTube. You can find them on YouTube. Where's the beef? And, uh, and also joining us in the studio today, our lead pastor, Adam Bishop. Adam, how are you today, sir? I just got to clear that up. I mean, yeah. we got to make sure people understand the difference between Arby's and Wendy's. That's right. But, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm good. I'm, gl- I'm glad yeah. to be back with you guys. Yeah, I missed you guys last week. I had, I had a really good time with Sean and with Hardy talking about Sean's ministry and Hardy talking about Love Week and Kids Camp and all this stuff coming up, but it just was not the same without you guys. You got the whole gang yeah, back the together. Whole gang. That's right. Yeah, the, yep. the band's the back amigos. together. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's, That's right. Deal. So how was, uh, how, was, how was your past week? I mean, what all was going on? Did you guys have a good Father's Day? Well, Adam. Did you have a good Father's yeah. Day, Matt? Yeah, we, yeah, great Father's Day. You know, yeah. I mean, it's fun. Father's Day is fun because we're at church, right. obviously. You get to right. see all the guys and celebrate with them. And then, you know, we're, we're, we're super chill about these yeah. days. I mean, I don't need anything. I mean, Morgan doesn't need anything for Mother's Day. You know, we got all the stuff we need. So our boys, I'm proud of them. You know, they've kind of realized in this season of life, they're old enough, you know, 12, 10, and 6. You know, the, if they take time and they, they write something down or they right. draw something, yeah. like that's kind of special. Yeah. And and all three of them like wrote out a card and it was, they were really nice. That's awesome. They gave me the cards. We hung out. We yeah. watched some golf, ate some good food. So great time. And then we had a great getaway. Thanks. Thanks, Vaughn Forrest, for letting me get away for yeah. a little while. And you guys holding down the fort. Sean did awesome oh, for sure. teaching. So I did watch it online while yeah. we were away. <laughs> nice vacation. Good family time. So, um... Yeah, man, I'm kind of back and ready to go. <laughs> right <laughs> on. You know, you've had a good vacation when you're looking forward to the vacation. You do the vacation, and then you're looking forward to coming home. Yeah. That means it was a good trip. We had a great time together. But, man, I'm super excited about everything happening in our church. And yeah. yesterday yeah. was a great day, and you did an awesome job with the message. Oh, we'll well, talk about you. that. Yeah, but what did sure. you do? Because we were both <laughs> gone at the same time. Yeah. So did you have a good time oh, as well? Oh, I had a great time, man. I posted a lot of uh, photos. We were at a Coldplay concert. Okay. And it was amazing. Like I could, I was, was like, it like a sky full of stars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I understood. That was reference. it like a rush of blood to the head? Yes, <laughs> that. Yes. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like that was the only ones I posted. Where, How many like, clocks the, did you? I'm sorry. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> All on, on and on. All of them. Like, was I was get? from me to uh, me to you from Chris. Like that's oh, well, hold on now. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. Chris is the lead singer Chris of Coldplay. Martin. For I didn't know, know your seats were that good. I thought you were just like at the concert. No, no. I was you like, were like... So they... So well, I've been... Explain. You got to yeah, explain yeah. the so whole story. I've been a fan of them since I was like 10, uh, which was like... Just don't say those things out loud. That makes me feel so old. Yeah, yeah, ten. ten. We're That's saying where's I... the beef? He's talking about like in Coldplay at ten years of age, man. Yeah, yeah. I think I was Adam. married when Coldplay started. Anyway, so, go ahead. Yeah, stop. I'm telling the story here. All right. So they Chad. have three. They have three stages, right? You know, they they used to do the the stage, and then they have the the main the B stage. So they added a C stage, which is like out towards the middle. Y'all know, like Toby Mac. He does the stuff in the and back. The Mac yeah, is yeah, back yeah. in the slack. Yeah, yeah. 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 On the so DC track, that's it's kind of like that. But like <laughs> wow. everybody was like kind of rushing towards the front to be close. And I mean, you're not going to be that close to them. You're like sure. they have like barriers. They have. I know you <laughs> told us to be quiet, but I have some questions. <laughs> All right. So when you said the three stages of Coldplay, yeah. I thought you were talking metaphorically about their development as a band. <laughs> but you're actually talking about no, literal, stages literal stages in the right. arena. That's I mean, we correct. can go in that too if we want so to. So do but, they um, have instruments set up on all yeah, three stages yeah. and uh, they just move around from one to the next? Yeah. So I mean, I got to go to one of these shows, yeah, it's, right? It's wow. amazing. All right, it's amazing. back to so, the story. Uh, everybody's trying to get to the other, the A and B, uh, but there's barriers. You're you're gonna be like. 40, yard, 40 yards away right, from them. Right, You're not right. going to be able to see a lot. C is like where they do all their acoustic stuff. Okay. So there's not like pyrotechnics going off and stuff. So you like literally the barriers are from like me to you. Wow. Um, and so like that's, I was like, y'all are up there. We're going to be here. This is um, where Matthew wanted to be. They also do the guest celebrity stuff there too. Okay. So uh, Destiny's Child was there. So it was awesome. <laughs> well, there's Destiny's Child and then there's no, Beyonce. Beyonce was not there. Okay. Uh, okay. It you was, uh, you don't get name? to mention Destiny's no, Child no, no, no. without Beyonce. Right. Kelly. So what's the other lady's name? Is? Was, She's was talented. Sure. I think it was Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. I can't um, remember her last name, but um, anyway, she was up there and uh, it was really cool. I mean, uh, I'm yeah. a big fan of Beyonce. Yeah. So you told me Beyonce is there. Like you got my I, attention. Like when they said Destiny's Child, I was like, 
is Beyonce coming out here? Do y'all remember back in the about five, eight years ago, it was a big deal to do like the, uh, you would do, what do you call it when you act like you're singing a song, but you're not uh, really singing? Yeah, yeah, lip yeah, sync. Yeah, yeah. So I was in a lip sync conversation, okay. uh, conversation, competition, <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. and I won. And do you want to guess what song I won with? I'm going to go with Single Ladies. All the Single Ladies <laughs> by Beyonce. And man, I killed it. I, I learned say. the whole dance. I practiced for a long time. Like, I, I could do the whole dance. So we won't be breaking that out anytime okay, soon. Okay, for sure. But, um, oh yeah. So good song, good artist. Yeah. And a great song to choose if you happen to find yourself on a lip sync battle. Wow, well, there yeah. you have it. Well. So, did, so, all right, you watched how many acoustic songs did they do they, when you were that close to them? They did, I think it was like three or four. Okay. Um, so not a lot, but still I mean, do. it was still that's, worth that's it. That's great, yeah. dude. Yeah. That's so good. All right, yeah. we spent awesome. a lot of time talking yeah. about the last week <laughs> yeah, for our yeah, lives. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very glad you guys exciting. had a good time. Did you do anything fun? I was back here doing the Lord's work. <laughs> <laughs> you know. No, no, no. It was fun. But I, I did have a good Father's Day. There you go. Yeah, What'd so, you do? Uh, not a whole lot. I mean, you preached. Uh, did that. Went over to uh, went over to uh, Christy's parents' house. Went over to my parents' house. But my favorite gift that I got, Ava gave me this little book that she filled in the blanks on. Like, Dad, I love when you talk about this and all that kind of stuff. So it was real sweet. Henry had one of those yeah. that he had done at school the okay. last week of the school nice. year. Yeah. So uh, so sweet because he had written on the back of it, "Give this to my dad on June 19th." Like the teachers <laughs> that all told them to write yeah, that yeah, down. Yeah. But those are great when oh, you see their answers because yeah. yeah. the yeah. things they write down it's not what you would expect exactly, yeah. I, I, although i will say my favorite one is like dad you taught me about and she wrote jesus and star wars and i thought <laughs> you know what my work here is done at, like le this. at least you got the order <laughs> that's right, right yeah. that's right no it was it was real sweet it was very important yeah i was it was it was awesome but no we we had a pretty pretty laid back day it wasn't yeah. wasn't too crazy and uh but no, I mean, lots of good stuff happening. I mean, there's a ton yeah, of good yeah. stuff happening. I got to be a part of middle school camp there you go. this past weekend and got to hang out with about 25 middle schoolers and uh, some great adult volunteers. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, Tom Moore that plays guitar, uh -huh. he was kind of in charge of all the fun. And he was telling me about these different games they were doing. There was one, imagine Ultimate Frisbee. You're trying to get from one end zone to the other, but you have red solo cups and a ping pong ball and you have to toss it in between. That's how you get there. Okay. Those kids lost their minds. I mean, it got it got competitive. That's awesome. Like it was I love go it. time. That's so great. And so we're all watching it. We're like, okay, we're getting involved. So I was out there <laughs> running around with all these middle schoolers, so but fun. they had a blast. And Tom had some great prizes for them. And then uh, you guys led worship. Uh, you yeah. and Joya yeah. and the band, and that was great. And and they had a they had a really good time. That's good. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, I really enjoyed that. So lots of good stuff going on. Lots of good stuff coming up. But and then you killed it with the sermon. Well, great job that. continuing in our implication series. Yeah. And, um, Thought you did an awesome job and handled some some difficult passages. Yeah, possibly which, a little controversial. Yeah, when yeah. you go through a book of the Bible, you got to teach all of them. That's you know? right. And yeah, so right. I thought you did a good job unpacking that, and I'm glad we can discuss it some yeah. today. Well, let's let's go ahead and jump into that. Then you you know you kind of brought it up the idea. This is a little bit of a controversial you know passage. We're talking about Colossians three eighteen through twenty one, where it says. Wives submit to your husbands, you know, husbands love your wives, uh, children obey your parents, and, you know, fathers basically don't be harsh with your kids, don't embitter your children. So one of the things we talked about was kind of the uh, the purpose and the context of the day. You know, why is Paul writing this? And then if we can view it for the cult cultural lens of the day, I think it makes it a little bit easier to understand why he's writing what he's writing. And, and yeah, it's a little outrageous, but for the complete opposite reason that people think. So help help us unpack that a little bit. What, right. what was the context of so that? So here's maybe some words to jot down somewhere, or maybe okay. even, you know, just put them in a little file in your brain, sure. all right? So when it comes to reading the Bible, let's talk about, here, let's see if I can get these four words right now, historical, grammatical, contextual, and then literary narrative. That's okay. kind of a fancy one. So So what are we talking about there? Well, anything you read in the Bible was written in a historical context, which is what the question you asked. We'll sure. talk about that. It was written in a particular grammatical context, and it wasn't English, right? Right. So, right. you know, you're reading a translation anytime mm -hmm. you read the Bible. It was written in a contextual context, which is similar to historical, but it's a little more nuanced. Okay. You know, historical, let's name the time, the place, the setting. Well, the context might be a little different in the town of Colossae than the town of Ephesus. Right. So we've got right, to bring right. that in. Yeah. And then finally, the literary structure. Is this a letter? Is this a psalm? Is this a proverb? Is this a prophetic passage? Is this a metaphor? Right. There's lots of different things that are written about in the Bible. And if you get that one wrong, you might call something a metaphor that's not a metaphor. Right. You mm -hmm. might take something that's a metaphor and interpret it in a mm -hmm. way that, you know, an right. eye for an eye. So, you know, there's all these different things right, you've right, got to right, consider. Right. So, 
Yeah, we, we try to do our best when we teach through a book of the Bible, the first message to give some context and then circle back around to it several times in the series. We don't right. want to get too repetitive and too redundant. But the great thing now is there's so many resources out there that you can spend some time reading about some you know good context online or get you a good study Bible. Yeah. Most of the good yeah. study Bibles at the beginning of the book will <clears throat> give you a lot of what we're talking about right here. Yeah. Who wrote it, when they wrote it, where were they from, what was going on in the town. And so that passage is only controversial when we view it through a 21st century lens. Right. Mm-hmm. We are imposing upon it our modern day perspective, and it causes us to kind of go, wow, you know, that right. seems a little yeah, blunt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You did a good job in the message of articulating what the context would have led the audience to hear then. I thought, you, I thought it was a killer line when you said, if you had been sitting in the room and heard this read for the first time, when he said, love your wife, you would have heard an audible gasp in the room. Right. Well, we, we, we don't understand what, why? Right. Well, because for centuries, wives were not viewed through the lens of a romantic relationship. Mm. They were viewed yeah. as property. Right. Do we need to tell the story in Genesis where Abraham keeps offering up his wife, right. Sarah? Yeah. Like, he's Father Abraham, for Pete's right. sake. Yeah. Right. Like, this is the guy that supposedly gave us this model for faith, and he's doing that? Yeah. Why? Because love's not in the equation. Mm. We, we have a hard time understanding that. It's like, how do all these guys in the Old Testament have so many wives? Well, is that what God wanted? No, God set up in the garden, Adam and Eve. Right. Sin came into the picture and disrupted a whole lot of things. The Bible does such a great job of describing to us what really happened without trying to make it look pretty. Right. Mm. But just yeah. because it's in there doesn't mean it is prescribing to us what we should do. Right. You know, so if Jacob has four wives, that's three too many. You know, that that's kind of the <laughs> idea according to what we see from Genesis. That's right. Yeah. So if you get some context going, first century coming out of a pagan culture, women are viewed as property, they have no rights, and now Paul's telling these men to love their wives just like Jesus loved them with that type of sacrificial love. That's earth-shattering. It is the first time in human history in any piece of literature that women are empowered. Wow. So for, for Christianity to be framed and presented as something that is oppressive towards women is a man-made concept that is not what the New Testament teaches. Right. The New yeah. Testament is the first piece of literature you can find in all of human history that actually empowers women. Mm-hmm. And uh, we need to celebrate that. Yeah. And, and we need to continue to empower women because the New Testament is very clear that they are empowered, gifted by the Holy Spirit, just as men are. Right. And I think this passage draws some good attention to that. So, Chad, yesterday you mentioned in your message that Paul was picking up on some of the themes of... Jesus' public ministry. Yeah. Um, like how he valued everyone. Right. So what uh, can you give us some examples of that, what Paul was talking about there? Well, well yeah, you know, um, he does it with the woman at the well. He's talking to her, you yeah. know, and, and his disciples didn't like that. It's funny, yeah. these men that had walked with Jesus for so long that should have known him best, he still surprised them a yeah. lot of the time. Uh, you know, when he defends the woman caught in adultery, like you just said, these women, their lives in this in this patriarchal system that... that really existed almost all of human history up until recently, mm-hmm. they had no value. When the little kids, Jesus said, let the little children come unto me, yeah. his disciples didn't like that either. And Jesus <laughs> is down there rolling on the ground with these kids, you know, having a good time. And so Paul, you know, he would see this and he would catch onto these themes of what uh, what Jesus did mm-hmm. when he was here on this earth. And yeah. he's kind of continuing that idea. Yeah. The fact that we know Mary Magdalene's name. Right. There's no reason for us to know her name right. other than Jesus including her in his public ministry. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was unheard of. It was so controversial for him to do that. And again, we we still take for granted in our society that for most of human history, it's all about the family you came from. Right. So I thought Hamilton, the play Hamilton, the musical, did a really good job of drawing attention to that. Sure. So early on in the musical where Hamilton meets Aaron Burr for the first time, they, you know, they're rapping, which I'm not going to try to do that, but in the conversation. <laughs> conversation, it comes out that they're both orphans. Right. Their parents have passed away. And Hamilton's immediate response was, I wish there was a war where we could show that we're a lot more because war was the only way that someone who didn't come from a family that gave them a place in society where men could assert themselves and and earn some type of valor and status that would translate then into society at large. And Hamilton understood that. I'm from some island in the Caribbean. Like I'm an orphan. The only shot I have at elevating 
getting my name is through some type of conflict. And, and we, we don't understand really what he's saying because our society isn't that way anymore. Right. But even, you know, I mean, the royal family over in England, yeah. I mean, I guess mm. people get excited about that. I remember like a few years ago when the marriage happened, it was like took yep. over all the airways. Yeah. You were probably like three when that happened, <laughs> but you know, so, you know, Come there on, is man. still some of that in the right. world. It's yeah. like, you just happen to be born with the right last name. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, so the, the New Testament is, is again, it's the first time we see like in, in, in literature, some, some type of belief system that's opposing that. Right. You talk about revolutionary, like this movement that's for anyone. Right. It doesn't matter what your last name is. It doesn't matter if you have prestige. It doesn't matter if you're educated. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. It doesn't matter if you're a child. This is unheard of. And this is why the church spread like wildfire. Mm-hmm. It really was good news. No one had ever heard anything like this before. And, right. I, and I love that when we see this being unpacked in the New Testament, you can almost like hear the freeing of the people as these words are being read over them. Right. Because they're seeing this for the first time. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to the whole purpose of why Paul is writing this letter. You know, there's all these new believers. Like we we take for granted, like, these folks may not have been believers for very long. Like, we we think of the church as, oh, it's existed for generations. <laughs> not then. <laughs> yeah, these folks are still being instructed, and that that's the point that Paul's trying to make, is he's trying to help them understand how to have a God-honoring household. And so that's that's yeah. part of the reason why The entire New Testament was written to new Christians. Yeah. yeah. So anytime someone's a new Christian and another Christian's like, well, I don't know if they're ready for that passage from the New Testament. <laughs> it's like, well, no, no, it was Absolutely. all written for new Christians. Yeah. Right. You know, dive right. in and read it. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we talked a little bit about how, you know, in Scripture, uh, particularly in this passage here, these four verses, you know, the implications from it are that, you know, our marriages are an example <laughs> of Christ's relationship uh, with the church, with us. Why do you think that Paul is is using marriage as an example of the relationship between Jesus and the church? Why is this the best example? I mean, Jesus, you know, refers to us as the bride of Christ. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of, you know, imagery presented when he returns and we have the great feast and, you know, a lot of that. And then Jesus, you know, referenced, you know, man and and a man leaving his household and a a woman leaving her household and two becoming one. And so Jesus had circled a background to Genesis. And so it would make sense for Paul to to use this as well. But, you know, I think the other example, and this is me stepping outside of Scripture now. So, like, don't chapter and verse me on this. (laughs) Right. But I'm a dude, so I think I think like a dude. Um we're not that smart. <laughs> so, you know, when you're talking to a bunch of men, you got to be really concrete with them. Sure. We don't, do, we don't think well and abstract. Right. You know, we, we don't articulate our emotions very clearly. So when Paul's trying to think, how could I get these guys to best love their wives? Love your wives like Jesus loved the church. Because we're such jerks that if you give us an out, we'll take it. Right. You give us a loophole, we'll find it. Right. Well, when you take the Son of God who gave his life on the cross for all of humanity, yeah. there's no loopholes. That's right. We can't <laughs> yeah. take it all out. Right. It's like yeah. all of like us that. are like, well, got it. I can't I can't really argue with that one, you know? Right. So it's a very tangible, that's where I'm going with this. I got three boys. Yeah. yeah. I gotta speak to them in tangible language. Okay. So it's very clear. Yeah. You love your wife just like Jesus loved the church. Got it. Mm-hmm. If Paul had said, love your wife the way, and he quoted some poem, none of us would have gotten it because mm-hmm. we're dudes. We're, we're, not, we're not that bright. So it, 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 practically speaking, what better example to challenge us with right. than that? Because you can't go any higher than that. Like right. there, there's nowhere else to go with that. So yeah, there's a lot of theological reasons and a lot of biblical reasons. But then I think practically speaking, it shuts us up. It puts us in our place. Wow. You know, you can play the game where you keep blaming your wife for all of the problems in your marriage, or you can man up and own it and love her like Jesus loved the church. Mm. And guess how Jesus loved the church? Sacrificially. That's right. Agape love, claiming no rights, humble, serving, not about him. Mm. So that's actually the call to be a husband. That's what it means to love your wife. And so I love that that's where Paul takes it because what it does is it removes all of our sinful tendencies as men to excuse our bad behavior, to excuse the mistreatment of our wives, to excuse our harshness, to find someone else to blame, to blame our dad or blame our issues. No, no, you got to love her the way Jesus loves the church. So I think it's fantastic because it challenges all of us as men to then 
get together with other men and go, how are you doing on that? Yeah. Yeah. And now we can lovingly hold one another accountable. Not, not you know, jumping down each other's back when we don't get it right, right. but being able to say, dude, I've, I've messed that one up too. Yeah. yeah, I've been there. And let me tell you what I had to do when it comes to showing my wife that I really did love her right. and how to own that. Right. You know, and so I think it's a great call and challenge to men for us to love our wives well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's really important what you just said there because, and you know, I mentioned this, you know, in the message from the stage, like, I don't always get this right. And I didn't want people thinking that I'm standing up here on the stage going, let me, let me dispense the wisdom that you got. No, no, no. I, got, I get this right every day. But what I do know is what you just said there is that we are better together. And maybe you've yeah. had experiences that I have, and I may have had some that you haven't, and we can make each other better and help each other do a better job of this in our marriages. Our marriage. wives don't expect us to be perfect. Right. But they do expect us to be humble. Mm-hmm. And they should. So you don't have to be perfect. But when you get it wrong, you better own it right. in humility and and confess and apologize. And, you know, our wives are incredibly gracious more than we are. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. most of them are better nurturers than we are and they have bigger hearts than we are and they serve better than we do. They don't expect us to be perfect. But over time, the the husband that continues to get it wrong but won't own that and walks in self-arrogance and pride, he's pushing his wife away. Yeah. Um, and, and oftentimes, it's not until there's this moment where she's like, enough, that he realizes it. Well, by that point, he's been doing this damage for years. Right. Instead of recognizing what he had been doing all along just through his self-arrogance and pride. Yeah. And so our, our wives don't expect us to be perfect, but they do expect us to be humble. That's right. So, you know, we're talking about this... Um, sacrificial, loving our wives sacrificially. What does it look like for a a wife to humbly submit to their husband? Uh, I know we talked a a lot about the, the, the husband, but what about the the wife side? Because we mentioned that. Well, it's just, it's just interesting because I think in our culture today, you know, we see all these sitcoms, all these shows and they, they paint these pictures, right? Culture paints the picture of, you know, the guy being completely selfish and, you know, the long suffering wife and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, I mean, sure. That's funny. Like, that's fine. You know, we, we talk about submission. I know that I mess this up a lot at the beginning of my marriage because I focused on the submission side of things. Like, oh, you need to submit. Do what I'm telling you to do. Chad would quote <laughs> the verse daily to Christy. Right. It just exactly. didn't go well. Yeah. And how is your doghouse, yeah, Exactly. <laughs> oh, I was there. Uh, but but the real story here is this is this whole thing talking about sacrificial love on the part of yeah. the husband. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what we're called to do as men. And the result, when we put our wives first, when we point our families to Jesus, it's not difficult for our wives to humbly submit to that leadership in the same way that we know Christ sacrificed for us and we humbly submit to God's leadership. I mean, the, the times in my life that I've had the most peace is when I'm humbly submitting to what God's purpose for my life is. It it doesn't mean that wives need to be quiet. No, Mm -hmm. that's right. It doesn't mean that wives shouldn't speak their minds. Mm -hmm. One of the things I am a big advocate of, and I say this a lot, and maybe I haven't said it lately, so I'll say it now. You should never have to apologize for being honest with your spouse. Mm. If you're in a marriage where you don't feel like you can voice what you're really thinking or feeling, that is not a healthy marriage. Yeah. There's controlling going on there. Mm-hmm. There there are unhealthy practices that are happening in that marriage. You should be able to look your spouse in the eye and tell he or she how you really feel right. and not be fearful for what their response will be. If that's the case, you're in a manipulative marriage. That's right. And you need to yeah. sit down with a good yeah. marriage counselor and work through that, okay? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean that that a wife that is submitting to her husband She's just quietly following along. That's right. She's just doing whatever he says. She's never speaking up and voicing her opinion. No, 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 no. Most wives that are submitting to their husbands biblically, they speak up a lot. Yeah. Because what they understand is that biblically, two have become one. Hmm. So her voice matters just as much as his. And there have been multiple times in our marriage that the Holy Spirit has spoken very clearly to me through my wife, Mm -hmm. Morgan. And I'm super grateful for that. I don't want Morgan to ever hold back. I want her to talk and be honest and share. If she thinks that something's good, I want her to speak up. If she Mm -hmm. thinks something's bad, I want her to speak up, okay? So if you're a wife and you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking like, I'm just not wired that way. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not just this submissive, do whatever my husband tells me. Praise God. You're probably a lot godlier than you think you are. (laughs) Okay, So, so you need to speak up. You need to make sure that you voice how you feel about things. But ultimately... A marriage that is struggling with that dynamic, I am going to give you my opinion. 
nine times out of 10, it's not because the wife is struggling submitting to the husband. It's because the husband is not modeling a Christ-like love. That's exactly right. It's what you said, is when you love your wife the way you're called to love your wife, it makes it more desirable for her to submit. Right. Because she knows where your heart is. She knows you're walking with the Lord. She knows you care about her. She knows you're not putting your own interest first. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the decision that's being discussed and whatever you think as the husband needs to happen, she's probably going to see that as what really needs to happen. Right. It's when the guy is out here on his own making decisions that are best for him, doing what's best for him, only concerned with himself that sometimes a wife pushes back a little bit right? and the husband sees that as a violation of not being submissive. Right. It's like, no, that's not what's going on there yeah, at all. Yeah. It might just be you're not loving her the way Christ loves the church. Yeah, absolutely. And we talked a little bit about that. You know, submission is not, you know, the husband being king sitting on his lazy boy throne while the <laughs> wife serves his every single need. That's not at all what it looks like. And I think that when the husband loves his wife, sacrificially, like Jesus loves the church, it builds so much trust. The, the wife trusts in the decisions of her husband. And again, dialogue is a good thing. Respectful dialogue. That's one of the things we talked about, the practical tips, why communication is so important. And uh, I think that communication, you have to have the courage to speak up. You also have to have the courage to listen and receive that communication. So let me ask you this, Adam, what are we supposed to do in our marriages when we perceive our spouse, in reality or perception, our spouse isn't upholding their end of the bargain? So the husband's not sacrificially loving, the wife is not humbly submitting. What are we supposed to do in our marriages at that point? Um, Well, you just described a transactional relationship. Mm. Um, So I would say that if that's your mindset, you might have missed a few of the vows that you actually said on your wedding day. Because the vows that you said on your wedding day had nothing to do with the transactional relationship. Um, Now, any marriage can very quickly fall into a transactional relationship. You know, you do your part, I'll do mine. And um, that's what I hear you describing. So I feel like I'm doing my part in this marriage, but my spouse isn't doing their part in this marriage. I'm mad. Right. You know, Um, as hard as it is to hear this, that's not the biblical definition of marriage. Right. That is us imposing a 21st century romanticism that shaped more my culture onto our marriages. Mm. Um, Marriage is a call to selflessness. It's a call to serve someone else that the Lord has brought into your life. Um, If you want to get into the discussion about what you're doing and how they're not doing their part, and you think that that will somehow then motivate them to begin to do their part, I can assure you that's a formula for disaster. Hmm. That if you find yourself in that place in a marriage, the only way to move forward is by actually upping your level of serving them, Hmm. to go deeper in your level of sacrifice for them. So there was actually a movie that I felt like illustrated this really, really well that came out a long time ago. And the acting in it is subpar at best. <laughs> it could it could probably be described even as cheesy. Okay. But the message of the movie is something that every married couple should see. And I'm describing the movie Fireproof. Fireproof, okay, of course. With Kirk Cameron. <laughs> there we go. So, you know, we're living in New York City over a decade ago. It's hard to but We moved to New York City 15 years ago wow. this fall. So it's been a long time. We lived there for four years. And our average age of our church was 28. We were 85% single. Wow. So I spent the first, I've been in ministry for 22 years. I spent, and the 22 years I've been in ministry, I have spent more time working with people in their 20s than not being in that. So hmm. I've I've ministered to people in the decade of the 20s more than any other decade. I was a college pastor for years. I was a singles wow. pastor for years. Yeah. When I was a small groups pastor for four years in New York City, we were 85% single and the average age was 28. So most of my years in ministry have been spent Ironically enough, not with married people with kids, but with single with people singles. without kids. Yeah, okay, yeah. so mm-hmm. now you know I'm married and we got these kids and we talk a lot about family. But for 22 years of ministry, that's not where most of my experience has been. I say all of that to say this: one of the things that Morgan and I did up there was we led an engaged couples life group. So couples would get engaged. Great place to meet somebody at church. Right. They they yeah. get engaged. I had a whole life group of engaged couples. Okay. Now I did most of their weddings, and now years later, I'm watching them raise their kids through social media. I still talk to some That's of them cool. every now yeah. and then. 
But that we would do the life group week after week after week. And then, Hen- uh, not Henry, Sam was born in New York. And so Morgan had to miss a few weeks because she'd had a baby. And I brought a picture of her in her wedding dress from our wedding day. And I would set it beside me on a stool <laughs> to like keep me honest, yeah, yeah, yeah. like in the life group. So yeah. like Morgan's looking at me, make sure, you know, you're representing right. the women here. The last night of the life group, I would order pizza and we would watch that movie. And I would tell them all, look, the acting in this ain't so great. Right. It's a little cheesy. But if you understand the message that you're about to watch in this movie, it's going to help you in the marriage. Now, what was funny for me, Chad, that movie, you know, we, we had pizza in there. You know, you cut the lights down, you're watching it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And like some of these dudes, man, I mean, like some of them, you know, they could snap me in half, like just big, you know, built dudes. Some of them are like super successful, like Wall Street guys. The movie then, they're like grabbing tissues, drying, you know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> dry under, you know because it's a pretty moving message. Yeah. But the, the message of the movie is like this guy realizes the only way to like get my wife where I want her to be is by loving her selflessly to a degree that I've never even considered. Right. So I know that's a really tough answer. But I think that in a supernatural way, when you selflessly and sacrificially love and serve your spouse— what it does is it, it creates a more fertile environment for change because it's a more grace-filled environment. Mm. And, and grace is the only fertile ground for change to take place. Right. You know, we don't change so that God will love us. We change out of recognition that he loved us in our sin. Right. So with your spouse, motivating your spouse to change, and truthfully, one of the reasons God brings us together in a marriage is to help us change. God's more concerned with your holiness and your happiness. Right. So your spouse is a great way God's going to bring about holiness in your life. Sure. So yeah, your spouse may need to change, but if you will love them sacrificially and if you will show them grace, that will actually expedite the process of them growing in their holiness. Right. Yeah. Because that's actually what motivates at a heart level. Yeah. When I do something stupid that I've done, we've been married now almost 20 years. I've done a lot of stupid things. Right. Okay? <laughs> when I do something really stupid in, in my marriage, and I know that it's something that should upset Morgan, should frustrate Morgan, should make her, and rightfully so. Right. And she responds with kindness and graciousness and cuts me some slack and lets me off the hook. That motivates me to never do that again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because she showed me grace. Does yeah, that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you find yourself in that situation, now let me just kind of push pause on that and make sure I'm very clear what I'm about to say. We're not talking about abuse. Right. That's right. You're mm-hmm. in a verbally abusive situation, certainly a physically abusive right. situation, mm-hmm. sexually abusive situation in a marriage. Like you need to get help immediately. That's exactly yeah. right. I'm yeah. not talking about that. That's right. I'm talking about just the stuff in a marriage that can sometimes drive us crazy. Right. There is a line though that if it's crossed, there's a whole different strategy. That's right. None of the things I just talked about apply to that. Yeah. That's that's the time to see professional. There have been a lot of people yeah. over the years in churches that have been misled that's right. in that. They were being given advice like I just gave in the midst of an abusive situation. Yeah. Right. And yeah. and that's not at all what we would ever want anybody to think that we're saying. That's exactly right. So let's let's switch gears a little bit. We've been talking a lot about the marriage. You mentioned yesterday, Chad, about parenting. Yeah. Um yeah. and you talked a good bit about that. Um and you said that Nothing else, uh, almost nothing else, will teach you uh, more about God's grace and mercy than yeah. being a parent. Right. Um, I'm not a parent, so sure. what did you mean by that? Well, yeah. Well, first, let's let's acknowledge again how incredible it was for children to be addressed, you know, in this letter, and for mm-hmm. fathers, these men in this patriarchal society, being told to like, hey, don't don't be harsh with your kids. I mean, it would have been revolutionary. Yeah. Uh, as far as like teaching us about the grace and the mercy of God, I think it's because. It helps us see the parent, the the relationship we have with God the Father and us better mm-hmm. than anything else, both sides of it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I looked at my kids when they were born, and I remember thinking to myself, you know, they're infants, and they can't understand a word I'm saying, but I remember <laughs> Lena being curled up on my chest. She just knew that Daddy was safe and mm-hmm. warm. And, uh, and I remember, like, thinking, like, man, I wish I could help her understand how much I love her. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think God, you know, our relationship with God, we, we have no idea the depths of God's love. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's incredible. But also it teaches me uh, how sinful I am <laughs> because having little <laughs> little kids running around, you know, disobedient, you know, because it's just in their nature. Like, it teaches me, like, hey, you know, left to myself, this yeah. is who I am. But, you know, praise God for his mercy and his grace that he loves me in spite of that. Yeah, it's also very humbling. I think that we're all way too prone to give ourselves way too much credit. 
credit. Sure. Um, so, you know, there's times I want to look at my boys and be like, how much do you enjoy sleeping under a roof? Right. You know, <laughs> right. You know how that food tastes that you just ate this morning, That's right. you know, and because and you just want to look at them sometimes and be like, you know, you're kind of acting like a spoiled brat. Right. Like you're kind of taking some things for granted that half the planet doesn't have right now. That's right. You know, and the moment I start thinking that way, I think part of what Chad's talking about is I realize, man, I'm, I'm probably a little bit of a spoiled brat too. Like I probably mm-hmm. take way too much credit for like what's happened in my life. God's gracious graciousness and goodness to me has been so abundant That's exactly that right. I can't even get my head wrapped around it. And here I am thinking that like, you know, I earned this or I did that or I achieved this. Mm-hmm. And it's like a toddler going, I made the mortgage payment. It's right. like, no, right. it's like, you know, it's like God has set this life up for me and he's given me this amazing gift of life and he's blessed me beyond anything I could have ever deserved or mm-hmm. earned. And, and so I think sometimes I have to catch myself when I'm kind of feeling that way towards my boys going like, be careful, man, because just as you've provided blessing for them in their life that mm-hmm. they didn't earn, mm-hmm. but you want to give this to them right. as a gift, God's done that for you. And so have yeah. gratitude and be grateful and don't get so caught up in what you think you've done mm-hmm. to earn this. Yeah, God's yeah. been so good. And then don't ever get to a place where you're somehow complaining <laughs> right. about this amazing life <laughs> right. that you have. Or right, yeah. you know, don't focus on what you don't yeah. have or what you wish you could be or what, I mean, it's like, Oh my yeah. gosh, look at the blessing you've given me, yeah. you know, Lord. And, you know, anybody that's ever done any traveling or certainly gone and done anything overseas and with missions, like that's one of the things you come back with yeah. is, wow, the rest of the world doesn't work right. the way our community mm-hmm. does. Right. And some, yeah. some of the things that we just think are so normal aren't really normal. Mm. You know, if you got running water for most of the planet, that's not normal, you know? So yeah. there's so many things we can be blessed about. And I think being a parent and recognizing the blessing that we can bring to our kids' lives. And then we pause and we recognize the blessing God brings to our life. Um, but then, you know, just, just the high calling, mm-hmm. the weight of, of trying to raise your kids in a way where you don't totally screw them up, right. you know, where <laughs> right. they, you actually point them to Jesus, right. you know, which I was grateful you talked about. I'm, I'm sure I'm skipping ahead with our questions, but you talked about apologizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You know, I yeah. think that's a great word because— you know, it's hard to admit to your kids that you did something wrong when it comes right. to trying to parent yeah. them. But I think it's a it's a godly thing to do. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, you touched on this a second ago. You know, we've talked oftentimes on this podcast about, you know, God is not this cosmic killjoy trying to ruin your time. And I think that when we see God as a father, we see it in that relationship. Like you're talking about your kids. It's not difficult for me to want to bless my kids. But at the same time, there are times I have to discipline my kids, and they can perceive that as not being kind. But mm. really, you know, what Paul is writing here is he's saying just don't be harsh, you know, as as you're doing these things. And yeah, you know, the, the apologizing thing. I mean, I can't tell you guys how many times I've had to get up out of bed, wake my kids up, and go... Now listen. You wake them up. Uh, it's happening. You're a lot godlier than I. Well, I wasn't able to sleep. Like, wait till morning. It was it was it was purely self uh, interest. I assure you. No, but I, Chad's going to be doing most of the podcast yeah, from this point right. forward. <laughs> well, but no, just you know, this whole idea of like, hey, the lesson I was trying to teach you, like that was 100 uh-huh. percent right. Like you messed up. Like you need to learn this. Yeah. But the way I went about it, because so often I tend to react out of frustration or anger or some other ungodly source. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about discipline for a second. Sure. So, um. I have three boys, and um, if if I was just raising kids, I'd never discipline them. Um, I'm raising men. Hmm. So this world needs men who will walk with Jesus. That's right. And men who will be godly husbands to your godly daughters, not right, not yeah. specifically yours. We're not right, arranging no, I, a marriage I, I, here on the right. podcast no, today. Not, but, not today. You know, I meet men that are raising daughters, and they're so concerned about you know the the world they're sending their daughters into. And I want to be like, got your back, dude. Oh, yeah. Like I'm yeah. raising some boys that are going to be awesome. you know loving yeah. Jesus and loving your daughters the right way. Um, mm-hmm. So if I was raising kids, I wouldn't discipline them. It's too much trouble. Right. It's too much frustration. It's just constant. Right. I yeah, just yeah. can't get a come up for air, yeah, you know, yeah, especially, yeah. you know, we'll go through weeks where I'm like, I don't think I had many conversations other than discipline this week. Okay. <laughs> so the only reason I'm disciplining them is A, it's what God's told me to do. But then B, you know, raising boys, the key to raising boys is have the faith to see them as men. I'm raising right. them to be Men, why is it that our society has this perpetual immaturity Mm. among adults? 
because parents are focused on raising kids instead mm. of raising adults. Mm. Really so what good. we have now is a generation of adults that are emotionally immature kids. Mm. They, they look like adults. They, they, they're tall. Right. They, they're on the other <laughs> side of puberty. That's right. We've given them jobs and paychecks. <laughs> they're driving vehicles around. They must be adults. No. Yeah. They are spiritually immature mm. children because their parents were focused on raising kids. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we have to do, parents, is unapologetically reclaim our role as the disciplinarians in our children's lives. Right. Do it from a biblical perspective. Do it from a loving perspective. But we are not serving our kids well. We talked about the verse back in February in our teaching series. You know, we talked about parenting, Proverbs. If you want to ruin your child's life, don't discipline them. Right. Mm -hmm. And what we see now in a lot of adults is their, their parents have set them up on a path for their lives to be just one perpetual ruinous situation after the right. other yeah, because yeah, yeah. they were never disciplined. That's right. And so if you're a parent and you're listening and you're like, I don't like discipline. I wasn't disciplined as a child. It's not really my thing. Let me let you in on a little something. It's nobody's thing. Mm. Right. Nobody likes doing no. it. Nobody wants to do it. Right. Okay. But it's what we've been called to do. And there's a greater purpose. And if you can focus on the faith to see them as adults one day, that can sometimes help you stay encouraged. But listen, we're sitting there listening to your message yesterday, man. I, I went backstage. I don't get to hang out with the worship team a lot on Sundays because right. I'm preaching. And yeah. so <laughs> I decided I'm going to, the worship team, a lot of times will watch the message together yeah. backstage. Yeah. So I watched the message with the worship team. Yeah. And Greg, one of the guys on our worship team, you know, great family here in our church, you know, he's got five kids and I got three kids. And like we were, we were verbally talking through your message while you were teaching your message, encouraging one another yeah. mm -hmm. about yeah. some of the same challenges. Yeah. And yeah. so that's part of what it means to be a part of a, of a church family is I'm talking about discipline and reclaiming that role. Well, we do that with each other. Like we bounce ideas off each other. Like right. we mm -hmm. receive encouragement from one another. Right. Same thing with marriage. You don't yeah. have to have kids for this discussion. Same thing with being single. Right. You don't have to be married to have this discussion. Part yeah. of being in a church is there are other people God brings into your life to help you figure this thing out. That's right. He doesn't yeah. expect you to That's figure right. it out on yeah. your own, That's which right. is so freeing yeah. to yeah. think I don't have to be the one to figure all this out. Yeah. God gives me his people to help me figure this out with them. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that brings me to the next question I wanted to ask is, you mentioned yesterday one of the best ways to learn how to disciple your kids is in a life group. So um, why do you think that is? I mean, obviously, because you can bounce it off, but is there any right. other, like... Well, yeah, I mean, like what I'm, you're talking about, like we, mm -hmm. we, we make each other better. We help point each yeah. other to Jesus, whether, you know, maybe you've had an experience that I haven't had mm -hmm. and you can lend advice. But yeah, I mean, growing together in a life group, yeah. I mean, that's one of the best ways to learn how to do all this. Yeah, yeah. When someone else says, I've been there, I know what you're going through. Let me tell you what we did. Yeah. It's yeah. like oxygen. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like, really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so helpful. And so, yeah, you're not trying to figure it all out. Most of the good ideas I've gotten in parenting and in marriage came from some Someone yeah. else yeah. in a life group or yeah. some type of lunch I was having with mm -hmm. a godlier man who's older than me. Yeah, yeah. You know, very few ideas that I get in my quiet time. <laughs> and I, I know that sounds like heresy. Right? Right. Keep keep having your quiet time, but you're going to get a lot of practical guidance yeah. for life from God's people. Right. right. That's right. Yeah. And in the New Testament, here we go. The number one way that God speaks to people in the New Testament is through the Holy Spirit and one another. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. They weren't walking around with New Testaments. I'm all for people reading their Bible, yeah. okay? But that didn't start till 500 years ago. Mm -hmm. So what were they doing for the previous 500 years, okay? So you got the Holy Spirit in you. You got the Holy Spirit in your fellow brothers and sisters. God will give you guidance mm -hmm. through one another. But if you don't ever put yourself in a place where you're with his people, right. you're not going to hear that. And I'm not talking about a worship service. That's right. Because you're not going to hear that. You get to hear from one voice in a worship service. Right. right. And we're 50-50. That's right. You, know? <laughs> you get in a group, your odds improve because there's right. more people that right. you can actually hear from. Right. So that's, that's what exactly we're talking right. about, the value yeah. of that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll give you an example from my own life. You know, Hardy, uh, who's on staff with this year, Hardy and Melissa, they've got two daughters yeah. that are in their 20s, which if my girls grow up, like, oh, man, I'll be so thrilled. And I can't tell you how many times I've sat in Hardy's office and I've gone like, all right, what do I have to expect? Like, this is the situation yeah. I'm in. And sometimes it's super encouraging. He's like, don't worry, it's going to be fine. Other times it's like, <laughs> get ready. yeah, get ready, <laughs> pay buddy. Attention. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pay attention. But but that has helped me. I can't tell you the number of times yeah. that's helped myself. You know, Christy talking to Melissa, understand here's what's happening. And oftentimes mm -hmm. it calms us down as well. It's, yeah. it's 
able we're able to see it as more normal because we yeah. every one of us thinks we're the exception and this is the worst thing that's <laughs> happened right but it's not that's not the case yeah oh man we're going through this phase right now with henry he's he's six he'll be seven in, in september and i don't know what it is but um morgan said just so calm and casually a few weeks ago well you remember sam and jacob went through this, the exact same phase yeah when they were this age yeah and i was like no, they did. You know? <laughs> so, like, you know, again, us men, we're just not that bright, you know. But right. it, it was even my own wife. She's like the Lord speaking to me through her. Like, it's okay. Yeah. It's called being six. Yeah, you know. That's right. So that's right. it was just a good, helpful reminder <laughs> yeah. from her. I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. so we need that from each other. That's right. Yeah. You know, we we talked just a few minutes ago that you know discipline and the root word discipline, disciple. And one of the things we talked about in the message was uh, our children's discipleship. It's our responsibility. And I think so often. Uh, consciously or unconsciously, we try to uh, pawn that off onto others, whether it be the church. And, and of course, the church is here to help disciple, you mm-hmm. know, kids to partner with parents. Or, you know, lots of Christian private schools around here. We think, oh, they have a Bible class, you know, a yeah, couple times a week. That That's going to be enough. They go to a chapel once a month, mm-hmm. you know, everything's fine. So we talked about how that is, that's our responsibility, but God set up the system from the beginning of the family to raise and disciple our kids. And more and more, and maybe this is my perception, maybe this is real, maybe not, and maybe you can help me unpack this, I, it feels like these institutions that God set up of marriage and family, they're coming under attack. And we know that, I mean, mental and emotional health is plummeting through the basement with the COVID season and just with all these different attacks on these different systems God set up. So am I wrong in feeling like there's increasing attack? And what are the implications for our lives of these attacks on these systems that God set up? Oh, yeah. I mean, everything about sin and the world, the construct of the world, the enemy having the resources of the world at his disposal, they're always going to attack anything that comes from God. Right. So, you know, marriage was God's idea. Family was God's idea. For all of human history, humans have looked at God and said, nah, our way's better. Right. I mean, you go all the way back to the Tower of Babel. I mean, you know, there's all these examples of, of, of man, like, just blatantly well, telling God, yeah. we'll do it our way. Yeah, don't eat the apple. Eh, yeah, I'm good. So, you know, you, you give that give that 2,000 years right. and a little bit of technology. <laughs> right. You know, right. And, you know, wow, okay, this is where we are. So this is nothing new. Okay. There's, no, there's nothing new under the sun. These, these things have always been under attack. The attack is a little bit more visible now. It's a little bit more celebrated now. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more... Um, if, if you're not joining in with that line of thinking, you could possibly feel a little old school, a little sure. isolated, right? So what are you supposed to do about all that, Chad? Yeah, yeah. You know? The best gift you can give to your family is a vibrant walk with the Lord. Hmm. Best gift you can give to your spouse that you can give to your kids. Hmm. I mean, if you need to have some little system where you do family prayer time five out of every seven nights or you structure it this and you take this kid here and you do that there, cool. I'm all, try as many different ways as you can. Right. Foundationally, if you have a vibrant walk with the Lord, more is caught than is taught. Right. If your kids sense that God is real to you, that this isn't something that you do once a week when you quote unquote go to church, mm. that this isn't something that's just kind of one more thing you try to work into your schedule, mm. that there's actually a vibrancy in your walk and your relationship with the Lord. I mean... If they leave your home one day, hopefully at 18, not at 30, (laughs) if they leave your home one day with that, I was raised by a mom and a dad that walked with the Lord. You've done about as good as you can do. Mm. You know, somehow, some way, I feel like the rest of the details are going to start to work themselves out. But the, the most important thing you can do is cultivate your relationship with the Lord. Mm. For your, for obviously, for your relationship with the Lord, you'll yeah, grow closer. Right. You'll, yeah. Your desire to be with Him more will increase. But it's the best way you can love everybody in your family. So don't, don't out, don't outthink the room. Right. Don't make it more difficult than it is. You know, th- whatever you're doing right now, and your desire, and your ambition, your plan to walk with the Lord, if it's not producing vibrancy. Maybe you need to try something different. Hmm. You know, maybe we'll take some time on this podcast at some point to talk about some different ways to try to reignite that. It's one of the right. things I might even do a teaching series on this fall, hmm. you know, because a vibrant walk with the Lord is really the key. Because if you don't have that, 
your 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 focus is going to go towards all the stuff you're talking about. Right. That's right. <laughs> um and, and what did we just talk about a few weeks ago? You gotta keep your eyes above. Right. Fix them on the Lord and the right, things yeah. that are above. If you fix them on what's going on around you, man, it's gonna steal your joy. Yeah. That's not what the Lord wants for you. But you've got to put forth some effort when it comes to cultivating that vibrancy. That's exactly right. Yeah. Not an effort to stay in relationship with the Lord. But it does take effort when it comes to vibrancy, just like it does in a marriage. Right. You don't put forth any effort in your marriage, you're not going to have a vibrant relationship. Yeah. So you got to put forth that effort. But if the effort you're putting forward, it's like, okay, let me give you an example. All right. So you got to know what your wife likes when it comes to getting gifts. Right. Anniversaries, yeah. Mother's Day, Christmas, birthdays. Some wives love jewelry. Some wives love flower, flowers. Some wives love time. Some wives want a gift card so they can buy their own gift. That's right. <laughs> you better know which one you marry. That's exactly like right. I tell guys, when they, I'm thinking about asking this girl to marry me. I'm like, is she the public gal proposal or the private gal proposal? Right, right, right. Like, I don't know. You better figure that one out. Right. right. Because yeah. if you propose in pro- public and she's private, big, big trouble. Not going yeah. if, if she wants the big public thing and you yeah. do it in private. Be, okay. So like you ain't got to understand women, just one woman. That's, That's it. Right. All right. That's exactly yeah. right. Good right. thing for us dumb guys, right? right. So figure out like what's going to create the vibrancy in your marriage when it comes to giving gifts and it comes to spending time. Cool. Mm-hmm. When it comes to walking with the Lord, Chad looks at you and goes, if you want to have a vibrant walk with the Lord, Matt, here's what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the problem with that. You ain't Chad. Right. Yeah. So man, Chad can right. share with right. you the things that have helped him. But ultimately, Matt has to have a desire to vi- have a vibrant relationship with the Lord that yeah. he's willing to try anything until right. yeah. he finds right. what's going to... Does that make sense? No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, part of you know sharing ideas with one another is we're not dictating what we quote unquote should do. We're saying, here's what's worked for me. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we should try it. And if it doesn't, try something else. Yeah. But if it's not getting you to that place, um, that's a problem. Right. Right. Yeah. Because ultimately, that is the greatest gift we can give those who are closest to us. Yeah, yeah. and you know, I, I love what you're saying there because this idea of cultivating this relationship it applies married, single, kids, no kids, empty nesters. Maybe marriage and kids aren't even on your radar. And we talked about that a little bit. That you know, who you are tomorrow, the type of Christ follower you are tomorrow, is based on what you do today. So That's cultivate good. yourself, but also cultivate others. Just because you may not have a spouse or may not have kids, there's opportunities to serve with kids ministry or student ministry or just being in a life group, pouring out of the overflow of what God is doing in your life into others. None of those things happen in isolation. That's right. Yeah, that's That's, right. That's exactly right. Well, man, this has been a really good conversation. I've enjoyed this We've kind of been all over the place. Yeah, we have, for sure. Get us out of town for a few weeks. Yeah, we come back and talk (laughs) for an hour. That's good. It's it's a good thing. So I think that's a good place for us to kind of wrap it up today. So thank you guys. Glad you guys are back. Again, I missed you. It's always good to have the band together. Yeah, for sure. So uh, thank you for joining us for this episode of The Other Six Podcast. On behalf of Adam Bishop, Matt Collins, Sound Gal Joya, (laughs) and myself, we appreciate you joining us, and we will see you next time.